Finding something important and meaningful in your life is the most productive use of your time and energy. This is true because every life has problems associated with it, and finding meaning in your life will help you sustain the effort needed to overcome the particular problems you face. Thus, we can say that the key to living a good life is not giving a fuck about more things, but rather giving a fuck only about the things that align with your personal values. Welcome to the Youth America's Future. I'm your host, Jesse Levitan. And in this episode of the podcast, I'm going to be going over some key ideas and principles from the book that I just finished, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck by Mark Manson. Make sure you click that subscribe button and leave a five-star review if your platform allows for it. Truly would mean a lot to me and truly would help you in the end. Just so you get an idea of where we are with the podcast, every day I write down my goals in the 10X Planner. I've talked about this on a previous episode And my number one goal is to get consistent with the podcast. And that is why I'm here today. Again, I promise you every two weeks, and I'm going to try and see that through. Maybe it's a shorter episode given the time that I have, okay? But at the end of the day, it's about consistency, right? And when we know what we know about building habits, and maybe I'll make a video about this, or rather a podcast episode about this in the future, I definitely will. Because uh, I've I've uh, spent hours upon hours learning about the research of habit building. But nevertheless, consistency is key. You've heard this all the time, and it really is true. So when building a habit, I'll give you a little precursor to that big episode. When building a habit, you want to start off with something that you can certainly do. So sometimes personal trainers, they'll have a new client, and what they'll say is, okay, can you work out once per week? And then, of course, they'll say, yeah, sure, why not? Of course, I can fit that in. Okay, so we'll start off with once per week. If you can do that week in and week out, then we'll bump it up to two. Do that week in and week out. Then we'll bump it up to three. And so that is what I'm trying to do. I'm going to start off, again, once every other week, okay, whether that's an hour-long episode or a 20-minute episode. It's just about consistency. It's just about producing content for all of you. So, I just finished this book, okay? First of all, highly recommend it. I know I said that about Think Like a Monk, and that still rings true. I recommend that book completely, just as much as I recommend this book. First, let's go over some general ideas from the book. So James Clear, who's the author of Atomic Habits, on his website, he actually has a book summary of The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. And his kind of book in three sentences section is... Finding something important and meaningful in your life is the most productive use of your time and energy. This is true because every life has problems associated with it, and finding meaning in your life will help you sustain the effort needed to overcome the particular problems you face. Thus, we can say that the key to living a good life is not giving a fuck about more things, but rather giving a fuck only about the things that align with your personal values. So the book is really, if you, if you want to broaden it out, it is about how, how to live an intentional life, okay? With every decision we make, with every choice uh, that we have in our lives, whether to spend time on this project or whether to spend energy on this little thing or this big thing, we all have choices to make. And, and the idea is that 
where where there's unhappiness, where there's sadness, where there is a lack of motivation and purpose is when we're directing our attention, our energy, giving a fuck, to use his nomenclature, uh, towards things that really don't matter, that aren't contributing to our goals, right? And so the book is really about how can we change what we give a fuck about to live that more intentional and purposeful life. So he also has this summary section, and I'm going to go through some key bullet points in here that I like and that I want to point out regarding the book. Conventional self-help advice, which tells you to visualize success and think about the type of person you want to be, only reinforces the idea that you're not that thing. So this is, a, I, th- I believe it's in the first chapter. It's, that, it's this idea that, you know, in the self-help community, first of all, you have to be very careful on this pursuit of, and I found this with myself, on this pursuit of self-help and personal development, you'll find yourself consuming so much content that you're actually not doing the things that you need to do, Okay. Because at the end of the day, what will help us achieve purpose and and a life that is fulfilling is actually doing things that contribute to our success. But when we're stuck in this constant loop of learning and consuming and, and not actually doing anything, we're not getting anywhere. We're kind of in this circle of, of content and, and consumption and we're not actually being a producer. And the goal is to be, is to be producing more than consuming, right? Cause at the end of the day, you can be learning all this stuff, but you have to apply it. And if you're learning all this stuff and you're justifying the time you're wasting, it's honestly as bad as if you, if you binge watch TV every day or binge watch Netflix, because it's the same inaction that's, that's occurring. You're not actually producing anything. And that's not going to benefit you and it's not going to benefit, you know, society and and those you care about. So be very careful, okay? Now, a key part of self-help advice and, and the community itself is visualization and affirmations. Um, you know, there's this line in the book that says if you have to look at – if when you look at yourself in the mirror, right? And if, if you have to tell yourself, you know, I am good looking while looking at yourself in the mirror, are you really good looking? Uh or you're really healthy, you know, like I am in good shape. If you have to keep telling yourself that, are you really in good shape? I don't know. And it, it may reaffirm uh, the, the idea that you're lacking something. So you have to, there's a very fine line between affirmations and, and boosting your self-esteem, right? Uh, the way I do it is, because I write affirmations in the morning, the way I do it is I'll write an affirmation. So for example, I'll say, I am wise, right? I'm 17 years old. Am I the wisest guy in the world? No, of course not. For my age, I would I would say I'm pretty wise. But why? So I always write because, you know, because I fuel my mind with knowledge, right? I'm reading every day. Um, it, for for I'm healthy, right? Or or I'm good looking. I say because I have healthy habits, right? I eat, I work out, I, you know, get sleep. So you know, I take care of myself. I have healthy habits. There has to be a reason. A logical basis, evidence for that affirmation. I think that's a very key um, part if you're going to do affirmations. Everyone wants you to believe that the secret to a good life is to have a nicer job or a better car or a prettier girlfriend, right? So everyone is telling you that you need something more, okay? And at the end of the day, it's all about impressing other people. We think the key to happiness is, you know, this idea that that's being perpetuated by our friends, by society, by the media. But you'll find out that once you get to that level, once you get to that point, um, you're not really happy. You're not really fulfilled because you're 
You're giving a fuck about, again, unimportant things that aren't aligned with your values. Okay. Because there's an infinite amount of things we can now see or know, there are also an infinite, infinite number of ways we can discover that we don't measure up, that we're not good enough, that things aren't as great as they could be. We choose our metrics, okay? In everything we do, we choose metrics based on what we value. And he talks about this in the towards the beginning of the book. I want to say chapter two or three, maybe four, um, how we have the metrics wrong. Okay, and that can lead to unhappiness. Accepting your experience of life as being great and wonderful is the single greatest thing you can do for your happiness. This is very, again, I think this is another fine line type of thing. On one hand, you could be saying, well, if I accept my life experience, then I'm not achieving more. Um, then that I'm settling. And I don't, uh, you know, personally, I'm not a believer in settling. I think you should always try to achieve more. But on the flip side of that, it's, well, if you don't accept your life as being great and wonderful, uh, then you'll never be happy because you're always going to beat yourself down for not having that greater thing that you're pursuing. I think it's noble to have a pursuit of goals and anyone would agree with that. But you have to have a certain level of tolerance for your current condition. You know, in, in the book, Think Like a Monk, Jay Shetty talks about this, how in our mind and our psyche we have that parent and we have that child okay with the the monkey brain versus uh, the monkey mind versus the monk mind and the way to deal with our child mind which is or, or the child inside of us which is the immaturity the low confidence the overthinking is to have conversations as if you were the parent would a parent berate you berate you for messing up would it you know, would would your parent uh, slap you if if you failed? If you know that that is not an effective strategy for changing that child, uh, for for teaching that child a lesson. You want to teach your child. You want to you want to comfort the child within you. You want to have productive conversations, and you don't want to beat himself down or herself. This is so. Th- so this what I'm about to say is from that last chapter. It's very important to uh, understand. You're going to die someday. Everyone you know is going to die soon. And in your short life, you only have a certain amount of fucks to give. So this was very key to me because, you know, we spend so much time in our day-to-day life out of perspective. We, We think about things that happened two hours ago that we'll probably forget in three days from now. We, uh... We stress ourselves out. We we do a lot of things, right? We we go down deep, dark paths because of one thing one person said. Uh, we mess up our days, you know, because of because of two percent of our day. We're going to die. <laughs> Life is short, and and to waste your days like that is not effective. And it kind of got me to reflect. Um, for I was on the plane. I was going to Miami. I was actually coming back from Miami when I read this chapter. And I read the chapter. And after reading the chapter, I sat in the airplane uh, chair for 10... Well, I mean, I was sitting the whole flight. But I sat there for about 10 minutes reflecting. I stood at the screen. There was nothing on but the, besides the flight tracker. And I was just like, whoa. At the end of the chapter, I actually wrote, you know, like, this is something to come back to. Just wow. Because it was really, really, really powerful. Um, 
obviously, you know, everyone dies. Uh, it's inevitable. No one's immortal. And when you think like that or when you have the, um, when you reaffirm that understanding about life, you, again, live a more intentional life. Learning how to focus and prioritize your thoughts effectively based on finely honed personal values is perhaps the greatest and most important struggle in life. There are three subtleties that he talks about in the book. Number one, not giving a fuck is not about being indifferent. It just means you're comfortable with being different. Don't say fuck it to everything in life, just to the unimportant things. So people will read this book and say like, oh, you know, I don't give a fuck about anything. No, 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 no. You have to give a fuck about something. It's a natural instinct. And if you don't give a fuck about anything, you're not going to live an intentional life. The key is to give a fuck about the important things, not the unimportant things. Subtlety number two, to not give a fuck about adversity, you must first care about something more important than adversity. That's your purpose. That's what you're trying to achieve. And this will combat sort of the victim mentality that we see growing um, in this country and around the world and in this generation. And subtlety number three, whether you realize it or not, you're always choosing what to give a fuck about. The key is to gradually prune the things you care about so that you only give a fuck on the most important of occasions. Of course, this is all easier said than done, but there are ways to help you achieve, you know, um, achieve this lifestyle of choosing what to give a fuck about. You can meditate, you can journal, you can take care of your health, you can, again, work, right? Having things to do and, and having a clearer mind really allows you to be more, uh, in more control of your emotions. When a person has no problems, the mind automatically finds a way to invent some. This is incredibly true. And I can speak, this from speak about this from personal experience. When everything is going well in life, uh, your mind figures out something to be annoyed about, something to have a problem with. So you just have to understand that kind of the, the way our brain works, right? It's very important to understand that. Everything, every issue, every um, flaw starts with the, or, or fixing rather, starts with the awareness of that flaw. You can't fix something that you're not aware of. And awareness is key. I talked about this with Liam on our podcast episode, our second one. Awareness, everything starts with awareness. If there is one thing that everyone should have or try to have is awareness because again progress does not occur without awareness i think when most people especially educated pampered middle class white people consider life problems are really just side effects of not having anything more important to worry about i would semi agree with that finding something important and meaningful in your life is perhaps the most productive use of your time and energy we, again, this goes back to the idea that we're wasting our days away with thinking about that thing that happened two hours ago that you'll forget about in, in you know, 48 hours. Is that really a good use of your time? And, you know, uh, I think this was discussed. I don't remember which book now. I think it was Think Like a Monk. But he was saying how he gave up on release. No, I think maybe it was, maybe it was this book. One of the two, um, one of the authors gave up relationships or the pursuit of pursuit of relationships and what they found is you know instead of having that energy um that would be you know go that would go towards worrying about why she hasn't texted 
you know, him back in 20 minutes or um, this, you know, disagreement. And, and it all stems from overthinking. But the idea is that you were able to redirect that energy to go towards unimportant things towards important things. Now, I'm not saying relationships, you know, you have to give up on relationships. And they actually say that um, I'm in a beautiful relationship. I'll talk about it later in the episode because um, we just had, you know, our anniversary is tomorrow. Um, but something to keep in mind is you have to be aware. There goes awareness again of what your relationship is, whether it's helping or not, and whether it's toxic or not. Practical enlightenment is the act of becoming comfortable with the idea that some suffering is always inevitable. So there's something in the book that he talks about. It's a line. And it goes something like this. Instead of thinking about, instead of thinking, you know, your life is good or bad based on whether an outcome is good or bad, think of your life as good if there is a result at all, whether it's good or bad. Because with every consequence, no matter negative or positive, you'll learn something new or you'll accomplish something. So it is very important to have that change in perspective. If I do something and I fail, you know what? It's okay. It's okay. I learned from that mistake. I just shouldn't repeat it, right? And with every mistake, with every failure, we should learn, okay? The failure is not inevitable. I'm sorry. Failure is inevitable. Suffering is inevitable. Um, but what is not inevitable is, is um, a negative reaction towards those things. So there's that for you. Don't hope for a life without problems. Hope for a life with good problems, right? So it's about having different problems. Uh, if you if you are wealthy, uh, if you're happy, um, if you if everything is going well, the problems you have in your life are far better off than someone that's an addict, that's in poverty, and that's alone. You'll have problems. Everyone has problems, but there'll be better problems. And with better problems comes better outcomes, comes better lessons learned from those issues. Happiness is found in solving problems, not avoiding them. Remember the high you used to get when you were in elementary school and you would solve a problem or you'd raise your hand in the class and you'll get, get the right answer and you think you're on top of the world? It's that same uh, frame of mind. When we solve issues and solve problems, you know, uh, find solutions to dilemmas, we feel good about ourselves because we're accomplishing something. And that, and there is beauty in that, right? So that is uh, where happiness occurs. Emotions are simply biological signals designed to nudge you in the direction of beneficial change, okay? Negative emotions are a sign that something is going unaddressed. They're a call to action. Positive emotions are the reward for taking the correct action. We should question our emotions because they are not always right. So it's it's not a good idea to block out emotions or to say, oh, man, I'm having these emotions and that sucks. Like, I just want no emotions. Emotions are inevitable. You can't uh, say no emotions or emotionless unless you're a robot. But we're all human. So you're going to have emotions. The key is to control your emotions or rather to... Um, to um, not let your emotions control you, right? So if I have an emotion, you have to sit with it. Understand why you're feeling this emotion and get to the root of it. That's where a problem is. That's where you'll solve it. If it's a negative emotion, if it's a positive emotion, then you understand, oh, maybe I should do this more often, you know? 
Don't ask yourself what you want out of life. It's easy to want success and fame and happiness and great sex. Uh, that's, that's him talking. Everybody wants those things. And by the way, let me, let me just say this. The book, the language, it is not eloquent. Um, it is not a you know, philosophy book. It's very, but I like that. It's a very personal take on literature. Um, and it's, it connects on a very funny level. I've had some, uh, a few laughs with the book. And I like the way it's written for that reason. A much more interesting question to ask yourself is what kind of pain do I want? What are you willing to struggle for is a greater determinant of how our lives turn out. We always think about, you know, oh man, like I want, I want that lifestyle that he has. But do you want all the problems that were on the way? Do you want, you know, the, the near bankruptcy? Do you want that? Do you want the near divorce? Are you willing to sacrifice the sacrifices that that person that you envy gave up? That's the question you have to determine. You can't merely be in love with the result. Everybody loves the result. You have to love the process. And that goes to that idea. Self-esteem by itself is overrated. It doesn't help to feel good about yourself unless you have a good reason for feeling that way. The struggle makes self-esteem useful, not the participation trophy. So I think this is very important to understand. Okay. And you have and this goes back to the affirmations. You have to have a why for why you are. Uh, why you think you feel good or, or, or why you're good looking, right? Why you're healthy. Why are you wise? Why are you going to achieve financial success? Why are you achieving financial success? Why is your mind ready for financial success? Are you, is it coming out of your ass or you're, you're saying the truth, right? Is it backed by logic? Is it backed by evidence? Okay. So you have to have a good reason for feeling that way. This, this part that I'm about to read was a game changer for me. Your problems are not privileged in their severity or pain. You're not unique in your suffering. Every problem that you have most likely is being, um, being dealt with by another person. We live in this entitlement crisis, and this is something that's huge in the book. Everything about entitlement. You know, we think our problems are big and no one would be able to deal with them. And, and that makes us suckers and life just hates us and oh, we become victims, right? So, so victim mentality is actually a sense of entitlement and bragging is a sense of entitlement. So we have to understand that our problems are being dealt with by other people. And that means or, or have been dealt with in the past. No problem is unique, really. No problem. Maybe a culmination of problems. Most likely not. But every problem has been dealt with in the past. So you need to determine what those people did and how they got through them. Most of us are pretty average at most things we do. Even if you're exceptional at one thing, chances are you're average or below average at most other things. So this has to do with that entitlement thing again, right? Um, let's continue. The problem is that the pervasiveness of technology and mass marketing is screwing up a lot of people's expectations for themselves. And we know this to be true. Social media has... Um, had dramatic effects on, on rises of depression, of anxiety, of you know, comparison, um, of unhappiness. And, and that is, you know, a lot of that is specifically with, um, with women. You know, there's a lot of body comparison that goes on. So something that I've seen is people go on social media detoxes or they'll, they'll start muting, you know. I know some people that have been muting stories and posts 
of people that they don't really care about, right? They're not going to unfollow them. Maybe that's not the nicest thing to do. But you know what? It's kind of toxic. I don't want to look at it. I'm going to mute it. And that will help you clear your feed and, and filter out the, the negativity that you're bringing into your life. One of the most pervasive narratives about masculinity in our culture is that the most valuable thing a man can attain is sex, and it's worth sacrificing nearly everything to get it, or anything, rather. Interestingly, this corresponds to one of the dominant female narratives, which is that the greatest thing a woman can be is beautiful. Both of these narratives are completely false. Why is that? A man should try to attain his purpose. A woman should try to attain her purpose. We've been told by society what our lives should look like. And again, this has to do with the first chapter of Think Like a Monk, which is think of your identity like a mirror. Okay? Or rather a mirror that, you know, that's been in the attic for 20 years. It's got a lot of dust in it. When you see it, you see yourself, you see the shape of yourself, but you don't see the details. That is our identity. What the dust is, is the media. Is what our friends have told us, is what our parents have told us, it's what the media has told us, what society has told us. We have to wipe away the dust and see who we are to get in tune with our values and what we really want in life. Pleasure is a false god. Research shows that people who focus their energy on superficial pleasures end up more anxious, more emotionally unstable, and more depressed. Pleasure is the most superficial form of life satisfaction and therefore the easiest to obtain and the easiest to lose. That has to do with a quote by Jordan Peterson that I quote all the time. Pursue what is meaningful, not what is expedient. What is expedient gives you short-term gratification. You have to fight that to attain real, sustained happiness in your life. One day, in retrospect, the years of struggle will strike you as the most beautiful. That was by that was a quote by Sigmund Freud that was in the book. Um, and again, with and that it goes back to enjoying the process, right? With every accomplishment, there were bumps in the road to achieve that. And so you have to understand that those moments made you who you are today. And you should be grateful for those moments because they taught you very valuable, um, very valuable lessons. We don't always control what happens to us, but we always control how we interpret what happens to us, as well as how we respond. Accepting responsibility for our problems is the first step to solving them. A lot of people hesitate to take responsibility for their problems because they believe that to be responsible for your problems is to also be fault for your problems, be at fault rather. This is not true. We are responsible for experiences that aren't our fault all the time. This is part of life. People will often fight over who gets to be responsible for success and happiness, but taking responsibility for our problems is far more important because that's where real learning comes from. So you have to understand the difference between fault and responsibility. I may need, you know, if someone screws me over, right, I may not be at fault for my state. It's their fault. You know, maybe I lost millions of dollars, but I'm responsible for dealing with it. They're not responsible for making me feel better. They're not responsible for me getting, you know, for lifting me up. Um, they're not responsible for my well-being. I'm responsible for my well-being. If you take responsibility Try this. If you take responsibility for every issue you have in life, you will see a dramatic increase in the quality of your life. Certainty is the enemy of growth. <laughs> that is a very true statement. And this ties in with the second bullet point. All beliefs are wrong. Some are just less wrong than others. 
in life, we should not try and be correct. We should try and be less wrong or, or less negative or less this, right? Instead of being perfect. The goal is to just be less of the negative each day. And this is in his eyes. And certainty really is the enemy of growth. Certainty is the enemy of happiness. This is something that Jay Shetty talked about in his book. The idea of detachment and how important detachment really is. Because if we become a, a, ooh, excuse me, if we become attached, we become entitled because we think it's ours. Meanwhile, it was someone else's before, and nothing is really our own. What the only thing that's our own is our mind. But even then, the knowledge we have came from others. Detachment breeds entitlement. I'm sorry. Attachment breeds entitlement. Attachment breeds. Being ungrateful, attachment breeds arrogance. So be less certain about everything and appreciate it more. And, and this goes into what James Clear just said. The more you try to become certain about a particular issue, the more uncertain and insecure you will feel. The more you embrace being uncertain and not knowing, the more comfortable you will feel in knowing what you don't know. The man who believes he knows everything learns nothing. There's a law of avoidance that Mark talked about, and it's called, and it goes like this. The more something threatens your identity, the more you will avoid it. The more something threatens how you view yourself, the more you will avoid getting around to it. An example of this is if I believe I'm a nice guy, I'll avoid situations that could potentially contradict that belief. If I believe I'm an awesome cook, I'll seek out opportunities to prove that to myself over and over again. The belief always takes precedence rather than the truth, and that is a problem we have in our society. It is the mark of an educated mind to be able to entertain a thought without accepting, uh, accepting it. That is Aristotle. So it's key to always have, um, to obtain a, a diverse array of knowledge and then weeding out what you don't believe and, and what has more merit, right? But the goal is to challenge your mind. Oh, this was a great quote. Action isn't just the effect of motivation. It's also the cause of it. Do something and inspiration will follow. For example, how do you write a ton? How do you write tons of books? Write 200 crappy words per day, and you'll find motivation often flows out of it. This has to do with Manson's "do something" principle, which sounds a lot like the philosophy behind the two-minute rule: do something now, even if it's really small, and good actions cascade as a result. So, the "do something" principle—it's really we're fighting that that barrier to entry, that barrier to do something, um, and that's the problem with procrastination, right? If we want to be motivated, we have to get started. Because once we get started, the, the ball starts rolling, right? And then we just keep going. So what this person found uh, with the hundreds of books is that he would write 200 crappy words per day, or that would be his goal. He'd write 200. He'd keep writing. He'd write 1,000. It's getting the ball rolling. Uh, let's keep going. Oh, this is, this is a really good um, line or, or piece of... You know, golden nugget from the book. Investing deeply in one person, one place, one job, one activity might deny us the breadth of experience we like. But pursuing a breadth of experience denies us the opportunity to enjoy the rewards of depth of experience. And in the book, he says that that's where the gold's found. The gold is found in the depth. There are certain experiences that you can only have after you've been with someone for 10 years. Okay? You may think it's it's... It's fun to to go around, um, but you'll be robbing yourself of those truly valuable experiences. And that, again, is where the gold is found.
If there is no reason to do anything, if life is pointless, then there is also no reason to not do anything. What do you have to lose? You're going to die anyway. So your fears and embarrassments and failures don't mean anything. You might as well try. This is a very key principle. Um, and I really like it. <laughs> and it's something I've learned. Um, while I was in Miami, funny enough, I actually visited Grant Cardone's offices. At a great time, I went into the morning meeting. Uh, then I went on a tour of the offices. It was pretty cool. I actually had a conversation with Ryan Secco, who's the VP of the real estate division of Cardone Capital. Um, how did I get there? Well, quite frankly, I was emailing someone about a problem I was having with um, the personal finance course. And I shot my shot. What did I do? I emailed him. I said, look, I'm going to be in Miami in a week or two. Um, I would love the opportunity to shadow someone. I'd love the opportunity to be in those offices, see how business works. I'm 17 years old. I'm going to Cornell next year. I've been following you guys for two years, and it would mean the absolute world to me if I would be able to shadow someone. It would mean so much to me. Um, and I got that opportunity, right? I got that opportunity. So the point is that the worst that could happen was that I was told I couldn't. That was the absolute worst thing that could have happened. But it, it ended up working. So the, the idea is that all these fears, all the, the, the fears of embarrassment um, are unjustified, okay, and not worth your stress. All the meaning in our life. So, so now let's get to the, the last chapter and why this was so powerful. All the meaning in our life is shaped by our innate desire to never truly die. Our physical bodies will die. We can't fight that. But we cling to the idea that we can live on through religion, politics, sports, art, and technological innovation. Our legacy. The biggest fear we have in life is death, or at least a lot of people. And so we try to figure out how we can leave, how, how we can live on in spirit, right? That's kind of the idea, right? How, what will our legacy be? The only way to be comfortable with death is to understand and see yourself as something bigger than yourself to contribute to some much larger entity. And that is why religion plays such an important role in many people's lives because they see themselves as a piece of something much bigger than themselves. And that's why I actually value religion. That's why I've been on my own spiritual path because I see the value in religion. I see the value in being something bigger than yourself. Okay? And there's this quote, Finally, we're all going to die, all of us. What a circus. That alone should make us love each other, but it doesn't. There's something valuable in knowing you're going to die. In the story, in chapter 9, the last chapter, and then you die, that rhymed. No, no by accident. But um, what's funny is that he was sitting on the cliff. I couldn't tell you where he was. I, I don't remember, but he was sitting on the cliff um, looking down. He actually kept edging closer. Eventually, he got on his knees until he could finally see below. He was so, and, and his heart's racing, right? It's like, it's like telling him our natural instinct is to tell us that's danger. That's possible possibility of death. Don't go there. He kept inching closer, inching closer, inching closer until he could literally see the ground and no longer the edge of the cliff. And once he got to that point, he smiled. And he became enlightened. Like, just a wow moment for him. And again, he couldn't help but smile. The view was just so beautiful. Everything was so beautiful. 
that close to being dead. And he smiled. We have to find comfort with the idea that we're going to die because we're not living the life that we want. Think about that. We spend our days worrying about useless things and things that don't mean much to us, that aren't contributing to our goals, that aren't contributing to our relationships with friends, family, partners. And then what's it all for? What's the worrying for? You'll look back in your life and you'll regret so much of that energy and time that went to the useless things. So grow comfortable with the idea of death so that you can start living. And that is the subtle art of not giving a fuck. Fantastic book. Highly recommend it. I'll link it down below by Mark Manson. I got nothing else to say. Fantastic book. And um, I will certainly read that again. There actually is a sequel book called Hope uh, Everything is Fucked, which I think is like applying the principles in the subtle art of not giving a fuck. And he introduces case studies. So I'm excited to read that at some point. But I'm not going to read that yet. So now let's get into my personal life. Just some quick updates before we end the show. Number one, I am on day 49 of 75 Hard. Okay, right now I'm reading the Elon Musk biography, um, 40 pages deep. Um, it's a very interesting book. Again, since it's biography, there's less annotating because it's more story oriented. But there are some key lessons that you can learn from observing anyone's life, right? A mentor or, or a, a very successful person. Every life story comes with struggles, and you can learn from those struggles. And it's very um, empowering for sure. But let's get to something that really uh, I can't help but smile right now. So my anniversary is tomorrow, my one-year anniversary with my girlfriend, and nothing but gratitude. Yesterday, we celebrated. We went out to dinner, um, and then when we exchanged you know, cards, and we watched you know, Modern Family, um, and... Man, it, it was a really great, spectacular time. We just reflected on so many great memories and and so many lessons that we've learned together. Again, going back to that book, like every problem led to a solution, uh, and and every disagreement led to something even greater. And with every disagreement, there's, um, or with that rather with every uh, solution to a disagreement. There's the, the um, your, your bond gets stronger with that other person. Um, and, and again, that, that also goes into the idea of commitment that Mark talked about in his book. It's the gold is found in the depth, not the breadth of experience. So that was our one-year anniversary. It's tomorrow. I mean, I asked her out. So funny enough, I asked her out on leap day last year, February 29th. Obviously, it's not a leap year. So we're just celebrating tomorrow, March 1st. Um, well, well, that... that is our anniversary, uh, but we did celebrate yesterday. And I, I kind of want to give some advice to those of you that are looking for partners. I know many teenagers um, or, or even kids in college and kids in their 20s, um, they, they have, they're, they're so focused on the idea of having a partner, of having a, that girlfriend, having that boyfriend that's the perfect boyfriend or the perfect girlfriend. Um, and I just don't think that that is the effective strategy. Um, I think we're too focused on ideas and, and not people um, and, and not reality, right? So, you know, the time in which my girlfriend came into my life, I was actually not looking for a girlfriend. 
Um, I was kind of just focusing on myself, staying in my lane, you know, like, like just, just doing me, you know, and, and yet the greatest thing that ever happened to me came into my life. Kind of, kind of goes to that karma aspect of you, you attract what you give out, right? And so um, I was trying to put out good energy to my friends, to, to people in general, uh, and then I was rewarded um, with my girlfriend. So my advice to you when looking for a partner is looking for the possibility of depth, for sure. Um, there has to be a clear intention of why you would want to invest your time with this person. Uh, and I think with that is longevity. So focus on longevity. Focus on the the um, what you're looking at a relationship. And this goes, you have to, again, be in, basically have a meeting with yourself, okay? Get in tune with your values and get in tune with what you want. And then once you do that, then maybe you, then you'll have a clear idea of what you're actually looking for. And then you can attract um, what you really want. So that is my little uh, tidbit of relationship advice for all of you. So I hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast. I kind of just went through the summary of the book. Um, So you could, you know, skip around you. uh, Well, this is the end of the episode. So if you made it this far, congratulations. I hope you enjoyed. Um, I hope you enjoyed listening about my personal life. I kind of like having that segment just to catch you up. You know, it's a little more personable than me giving a lecture, let's say. Um, But the book was great. Highly recommend it. Um, And that's all I got for you. So I hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast. As always, leave a review. If your platform allows for it, click that subscribe button as well. Truly helps me out. And hopefully, you know, by the way, I've been reaching out to guests. (laughs) No success so far, but uh, we, within a month, my goal is to have that, you know, at least one guest come on the show. So that'll do it for this episode of the podcast. I hope you enjoyed and I'll see you in a few weeks. I'm Jesse Levitan and this was the Youth America's Future.